I believe the Lord would have us to just start today to pray for hope. Fresh hope in our hearts. Hope is uh, a helmet Thessalonians talks about. It's part of our armor. Helmet covers the thought life. A helmet covers your brain from a brain damage, but Bible calls taking for an helmet the, the, the hope of salvation. Hope is ex- confidently expecting good in the face of much expectation around us of bad. So would you just join me right now in praying for, for that? If, wherever you are with that, if you say, well, I have hope, I have confident expectation. Is confident expectation of good based on the promises of God? Not just wishful thinking. If you say, I have hope, I, uh, but I want more hope, then agree with me on that. Father, I thank you. Lord, I just always want to obey what you're doing. And I just sense that tap on the shoulder saying, river in the hills, a move is coming. And the Lord is coming. So watch and pray. Prepare yourselves and be, be alert and be hopeful. And be anticipating good things. So I ask that for every one of us here in the sound of my voice, that the helmet of hope would, would be fastened on, that just like a team would go out with a helmet on uh, before they go into to, um, the game where there's contact, we put on this helmet of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your notes, uh, if you don't have notes and you'd like some notes, uh, they will help you to follow along. We have able bodies in the back, Josh uh, working on the screens as well to show some scriptures. But I want us to uh, want to begin on this. If you want the notes, just raise your hand and they'll make sure you get them. And uh, amen. Well, during this fall season, uh, I've been sensing the Lord is uh, leading us and calling us as a church back to the basics, back to putting an emphasis on how to make this thing called Christianity work and work well in our lives. Not just on Sunday morning for an hour and a half, but on Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon and on Friday night. How to make this work practically in our lives. Somebody said one time, heaven isn't just for, I mean, Christianity isn't just for heaven in the sweet by and by. It is for victory in the nasty now and now. <laughs> I want the sweet by and by, but we live in a, in a world that's fallen and there's chaos. And so, so Christianity ought to work in our lives. Amen. And so I thought the key word, I felt the key word on my heart for us as a church is the word practical. And so uh, we're going to be beginning a series of messages on practical Christianity, on how to make things practical. Um, I want us to take common church words and break them down into their essential components into things we can do practically to make them work for us. And uh, I think a definition, I looked it up in the dictionary. I don't have a, a dictionary anymore. I guess I do on my shelf. But when you look up a word in the dictionary now, you go to your phone or your, your laptop and 
the definition, I think it's in your notes there. Yeah, in the first paragraph there. The, de- the dictionary defines practical as of or concerned with the actual doing or use of something rather than with theory and ideas. And I think sometimes in the Christian life we can, we can be satisfied with just knowing some theories and ideas but not really put them into practice. Football season is starting or has started. Some of you are really excited about that. Others of you are not excited. <laughs> Exhibit A, my wife, she is, uh, <clears throat> you know, the phrase, I could care less. Well, if she could care less, she would care less. <laughs> but we've been married 32 years and we get along and she puts up with my loving it and, and I... I, I say, come on, and she's busy doing other things around the house. So, but, but football season, before the season starts, football teams have what's called, in the spring, they have spring training, and then in the fall, I mean, in the summer, they have training camp. And so what they're doing is they're teaching practical techniques to the players. They're going over the basics of how to tackle, how to block, how to run pass routes. And, and they're reviewing those things every year so that they can be ready for the season. They don't just, you know, the coach just doesn't say on opening day, all right, y'all, get out there and win one. Go and win one for the Gipper, you know, go tackle. Go score touchdowns, you know. They're very practical and intentional about getting ready so that they can then execute on the field. And so I thought I'd show a quick little video from what I'm talking about. Just This is a little instructional video for coaches of, of uh, teenage boys in football. And, and I think it's helpful because if you can see it, if y'all can get that ready, it's about picture our lives in the kingdom of God as believers, like Christians, uh, as Christians, like a football team getting ready. So if you can play that, turn up the volume there. In, in facing this issue, how can we make the game safer and how can we make the game better? The first step for us is to teach the tackle the best possible way we can. The Heads Up Tackle system has five fundamentals. Each of these fundamentals are the things we talk about that we name and we teach. The first one is the breakdown position. Right? This is the, the, the fundamental body position for all football movement. Our kids have to be able to get into these positions. They have to be able to understand the stance, they have to be understand leverage. After that, we move to buzz, right? We talk about buzzing the feet. We don't talk about breaking down, right? We don't want our players to sit there not moving, broke down, not working. We want to continually gain ground towards the ball carrier at all times. So we talk about buzzing the feet. Right before the tackle, our players learn the hit position. The most important part of the entire step is the hit position, the body position you want to be in right before the moment of impact. Okay, if we want to make great. a great tackle, we have to be in a great position. If this goes on for a couple of minutes, and, uh, but, I, but you're, I wanted to illustrate that point that uh, they're, they're teaching proper technique in this case so that they don't hurt their neck and injure themselves. Now... For us, some of you, I can, you know, I, when I looked at this and I sensed the Lord putting this on my heart um, to be practical uh, for, for this season, I can sense some thinking, well, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. I know the basics 
of Christianity. I understand that. Let's move on to other things. But when you think about the NFL, there are professional players who've been playing 10, 15 years, and they still go over the basics every summer. And every week, they go over the same, the basic techniques of things. So the reasons that veterans still work on the basics is because the truth is it's natural over time to develop bad habits. The same is true in the Christian life. As time goes on, you can, believers for 20 years can lose their effectiveness if they don't regularly review the basics of the Christian life. And so you may not have seen it on, noticed it on the notes, but a couple of weeks ago I talked about the first practical message. It was practical lordship. That, that common church word lordship. <clears throat> and I talked about that lordship means basically to be God-focused and God-yielded. And I talked about, maybe you remember it, I talked about how I practically made Jesus Lord of my life in my 20s. And then how it dawned on me, I just turned 60 a week ago, a little over a week, and I'm still doing the same things daily now in my 60s as I did in my 20s to make Jesus Lord. So, I, and by God's grace, that's happening in my life. So, I talked about practical lordship, and today I want us to talk about practical prayer, that word prayer. Now, the order is intentional here. I talked about lordship first and then prayer today because to make everything else work in the Christian life, Jesus has to, number one, be Lord, and number two, we've got to spend time with him. It's like the drive, it's like a car, an automobile. You need a driver and you need an engine. A driver is Jesus' is Lord. He's driving the car. And you need the engine. You, you're spending time with God is what gives us the Spirit's power to go and move and live in the Christian life. You know, we don't we don't have we don't have driverless cars yet out on the the road, but a lot of Christians are like driverless cars. They're not, they're not making Jesus Lord. And so there's a lot of Christians who are like, like a car off to the, by the side of the road. If you have a driver and you have an engine that's working, then you can go where you're supposed to go and do what you're supposed to do and go in the direction you're supposed to go in. But we must spend time with God for that, that power of the Spirit to fuel our lives. Somebody said one time, living the Christian life is not difficult. It is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's hard to live. No, it's impossible without the Spirit's power. And so much of the power of the Spirit comes when we spend time with the Lord. So let's look at Roman numeral two here, practical prayer. Practical Lordship, today practical prayer. Martin Luther, founder of the Protestant Reformation in 1517, he said this, it's in your notes, as it is the business of tailors to mend clothes and cobblers to make shoes, you can tell that was a 1500 quote, 
So it is the business of Christians to pray. Paragraph A, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, I love this. He gave them a way to pray that was doable. Remember, they asked him how to pray. He he gave them a way to pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. And it is a prayer outline that basically any believer can follow because it's practical. Depending on how much time you have, you can, by praying through the Lord's Prayer, you can spend a quality hour with God. Now, paragraph B, since our focus is on the basics, I want to start with the question, why would I want to pray for an hour? Why would I need to pray for an hour? Well, the basic answer is you don't. You don't have to spend an hour, but Jesus said that to his disciples in Matthew 26. Let's look at that. I think it's good to just read a, read a passage here. Matthew 26, starting with verse 38. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before being crucified the next day. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So if Jesus said it to his disciples about praying an hour, I think it's a worthy goal for us today as his disciples to aim for the same thing. I'm not making it a law or anything like that, but he said it, so I I believe um, that's a desire in my heart to be able to do that. So why take the time? Paragraph C. Why take the time? What's the value in prayer? Well, I'll be, again, really basic with you. The, the, the value, the reason for prayer, why take the time to pray, is God does more when we pray. God does more when we pray than when we don't pray. God does more in your circumstances, in your relationships, in your finances, in, every, in areas of your life out there, God does more when we pray. Also, God does more in here when we pray. He does more out there, and he does more in here. And in case we haven't realized that God is after our heart, He's after conforming us to his image. He's after, after helping us to learn to love. Because in the final analysis, he's not going to necessarily ask you how big was your ministry or your impact or your bank account. He's going to ask you how big is your heart? What is your capacity of loving God with all your heart and loving people in the right way? And so taking time to pray moves moves on our heart and helps us do God does more in our heart. I'll say this three little letters here you might put them in your notes. I don't think I put them in your notes, but 
when we take time to pray, God does P-I-C in our hearts. P-I-C, pick. He gives us power to love him and to love people. How many of you run out of power to love people sometimes? (laughs) He gives us power to love. He gives us eye insight, insight into what to do in certain situations. And then C, he gives us courage, the courage to follow through on what he showed us to do in our time of prayer. And if I am not taking that time to spend with the Lord, like that engine of the car, I lack the power, I lack the insight, and I lack the courage. The third reason God created us, I said he does more out here, he does more in here. And then the third reason he created is to, the third reason that we are called to pray is because it's what we were essentially created to be is ones who are created to love God and be loved by God. God created us to have fellowship with him. And prayer is fellowshipping with God. Prayer is spending time with him. I said a few weeks ago, God is love. And in order to, for him, because he is love, he needed someone to love. So he created man. Love can't be love in a vacuum. Love has to have someone to has to have someone to love and then that person loving you back or God loving us back. And so essentially God created us for love. I want to end my part here with Mike Bickle made it had a quote about prayer. It's on your notes there. I think I don't know which word it is in your notes but He said, prayer is more than a religious duty to endure. I learned that it is a place of encounter, a way to receive blessing, an act of partnership with God, and much more. Prayer is a means of connecting with the Holy Spirit. Now, unlike other times when I have taught an outline, an outline on the Lord's Prayer from Luke 11 or Matthew 6, this is different this time, this fall, because I, we are going to have weekly corporate prayer meetings here at River in the Hills, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings, from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., and all of you all are welcome to come. We will be praying through the Lord's Prayer from 7 to 8 a.m., and I believe this is going to help us to grow in our prayer life, to be more effective, to see more things happen out here to see more happen in here and for us to increase in our reason for being here. It's just a fellowship with him. In the Eastern way of learning things, you know, in in the Western society, you say you learn something by being able to pass the test. You know it up here. Well, what we're looking at, the thing, the the sense I have on this is we're going to give some lecture. We're going to give lecture and then the lab like a science class. The lecture is the teaching through practically the Lord's Prayer. And then the Monday, Wednesday, Friday is the lab. And in the Eastern way of learning something, you didn't learn it unless you actually experienced it yourself. You didn't just have it up here. Like, you could tell me it's going to be 100 degrees outside today, 
I could look out there and go, it's really 100 degrees outside. I wouldn't really learn that until I stepped outside and felt the 100 degrees. Well, that's what I believe God's going to help us with this year is learning and then doing. And um, Suzanne and I have been really feeling the Lord calling us to this and calling the church to this, uh, to, to practically know how to pray. So I'm going to ask her to come up and, and teach a little bit on, uh, I think, the first two parts of the Lord's Prayer. So come on up. You blew my cover about that football. Yeah. That I didn't really... <laughs> I've, I've more or less been able to keep up the charade of liking football uh, because uh, m- my dad had two girls, and he was an avid uh, sports, I mean, he loved sports, loved the Cowboys, and so I grew up watching the Cowboys, and we had one TV and three channels, and uh, so we watched the Cowboys on Sunday, and then at halftime, we'd go outside and he'd throw the football to us. We'd run past patterns and, and all that type of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I know all the rules, uh, and I can carry on a really good conversation about football. <laughs> One day, I think it was, I was probably about in fifth grade, you know, I said, I don't want to run past patterns anymore. So I, I showed up outside at halftime with my baton, I said, I want to twirl. And uh, so while my sister and dad threw passes and all that, I twirled. And I became a twirler. So that was (laughs) what I chose. But I actually do know uh, so much about football that I uh, passed my sports quiz. So uh, my husband, when we were dating, you remember this? (laughs) So he said, before we can continue dating, you have to pass the sports quiz. And so, actually, he saw this in a movie, I think. Yeah, y'all know the movie? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was tongue-in-cheek, of course. But I said, actually, I do want you to give me a sports quiz uh, because of my background. And sure enough, I, I passed with flying colors, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you would have graded on a curve, maybe. But anyway, so I'd like to connect the, the ideas that Glenn brought out um, in this first part. You know, he talked about um, practical. He talked about the Lord's Prayer. And then he was talking about praying an hour. And so did anyone think that maybe those ideas of the Lord's Prayer and praying an hour could be somewhat disconnected? How many of you, y'all know that prayer, the Lord's Prayer? I know all my Catholic peeps do. So the Lord's Prayer, what is it? It's about six to eight lines. How long would it take to pray through that? I mean, it would take less than a minute to recite. So how, how are those ideas connected? So that's kind of what I want to explore today. And actually, Glenn and I have a, a long history with praying the Lord's Prayer this way. It goes all the way back to the 1980s. So, who was born after the 80s? Let's give it up for our young ones. Yeah! <laughs> so that, but you know the music, right, Brooke? You've Bon Jovi and Big Hair and all these type of things. But actually, in the 80s, uh, there was a real renewal 
uh, in the church. Uh, there was a, I wouldn't call it a revival, but maybe like a wave of the Spirit. And I actually was caught up in that. Thank the Lord. Uh, and in 1984, I was 19 years old. I was uh, finishing my first year at Baylor in, in Waco. And uh, I was um, an unbelieving believer. Well, I don't even know how to say that. But I grew up in the church, and I, I really knew the claims of Christ, and I, I had quite a bit of Bible knowledge. But I really found it difficult to believe. I, I had a, a real mountain of unbelief in my, in my life. And uh, unbelief can really be like a force uh, in your mind, I see some people nodding, so I have some agreement there. And um, when I was, uh, during that year, uh, Baylor's a a Baptist school. It's, most people went to church on Sunday, and I always went to church with my roommates and everything, but I was more or less miserable because it would bring to mind all the things that I wasn't sure about. And so I'd just rather, like, go out there where, you know, we didn't have to talk about what's the meaning of life. You know, you just tried to enjoy life. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so throughout that year, you know, that was a, a searching year. And I, and I prayed uh, many times, you know, God, if you're out there, and of course, I'm sure, you know, he, of course he was out there. But, you know, I didn't, Lord, if you're out there, could you, could you help me? Could you, could you meet me? Could you do something? And I'd more or less concluded that if I was to have faith, it would more or less be a a leap of faith, like a a blind leap of faith, where you kind of like chose to believe, but at the core of your being, you were never really completely sure. You know, I had kind of thought that that's maybe what it was about, and uh, that wasn't really enough to motivate me in life. Um, But in May of 84, 1984, through a series of events, I ended up at um, a Baptist church, Highland Baptist in Waco, and it's actually the mother church of Antioch, and some of you know Antioch, but anyway, um, there was a team there, and they were um, from California, John Wimber from the Vineyard, I don't know if you've ever heard of Vineyard churches, but uh, he had a remarkable story. He'd been, he was saved in the 60s and, uh, and uh, had been through all the religious stuff. And he had such an encounter with God in 1977. And because of this, he had started this church. And uh, they just really saw the move of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit would minister to people. And that's a long, long story. But that night, when I was there, he invited the Holy Spirit to come. And I received prayer, and I, f- I felt the presence of God. And you say, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, actually, I mean, I, f- I felt like um, warm currents of electricity going up and, s- up and down my body. And, and I went, oh, I mean, I was, it was shocking. It was shocking, and it seemed so real. And that was on a, a Monday night, and uh, it was the week of finals. I was due back home on Tuesday I took a calculus final on Tuesday morning, and then I called my mom and basically told a fib. It's, you know, when it's like, mm, you say fib, you don't say like. <laughs> but <laughs> the fib was, 
I've got, I mean, my room is such a mess. I'm not going to get this cleaned up till really late. Uh, so I'll be home about midnight because I wanted to go back to the meeting that was then on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. And so I showed back up uh, and uh, he taught again out of Luke and it just seemed so real. I mean, it, it made sense. And, and I realized later faith was being born in my heart, you know. But uh, anyway, so they, <clears throat> they had the prayer altered thing that night, and I don't even remember what the altar call was, but I, I walked up there, and, but uh, <clears throat> I was standing there, and the, the guy came uh, around, the, there were several team members that were ministering to people, there were a lot of people at the altar, and uh, he, he looked at me, and he put his hand like right here, and he just like looked at me, I'm using you, <laughs> Sloan is my <laughs> illustration, but he like looked straight through my eyes. He was like looking at my eyes, but he like, he seemed to look past them. Uh, and in that moment, he called out an evil spirit. And uh, yeah. Uh, and he said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And he named it. I was a, a Baptist girl. I mean, how could, how could I have an evil spirit? Um, but anyway, when he did that, I began to shake uncontrollably. Uh, like my whole body shook and shook and shook. And it was only a matter of seconds. But then all of a sudden it just, it was like something left me. And uh, at that moment that I just took a deep sigh. Um, and, and he said, you know, wow. He said, the Lord's really moving on you and he's calling you to himself. And, and I was just like, I was completely shocked, um, and but in in the most amazing of ways, you know. So the the night ended and all that type of thing, and I was due home, so I was driving home in my little Chevy Chevette. <laughs> yeah, I can still picture. <laughs> I don't think that car was real safe, but here I am. I made it, um, <clears throat> and I was. Uh, I was thinking about what had happened and everything, and I realized that God had answered that prayer. That I'd said, could you show me something that would indicate to me that the Bible's true and that all this is real and right and that type of thing? And I was so grateful. I thought, wow, the Bible is true. Jesus is real. He is alive. And I was like, Oh, my God, I was so incredibly grateful. Have you just ever been so grateful for something? <laughs> You're like, oh, yes. And, uh, and so, anyway, I was, uh, also had my Amy Grant cassette tape playing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it got to, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I was singing. I knew the song. And I was singing. And I knew the song. And then all of a sudden, I was singing in another language. Yeah, it was. And I, had, I knew um, about tongues. I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I had some theological grid for it. Uh, although I had never heard tongues. Uh, and never heard speaking in another language or anything like that but it it felt like such a freedom in my spirit you know and so 
But from then on, you know, basically, I mean, after that encounter with the Holy Spirit, everything in my life was new, absolutely new. And uh, uh, I remember awakening the next day and thinking, everything has changed. Everything. Everything has changed because, uh, you know, all of this is true. So, you know, whatever, wherever this takes me, it takes me. But it's true. And um, <clears throat> so uh, I began attending that church where they had the team. Of course, the team was California. They'd left long gone by the time I got back in the fall and that type of thing. But I love church. I love going to the services. I love the worship. It was like a spirit-filled Baptist church. Those are really cool churches because uh, they're strong in the word. But then there's the spirit. So that was like food for my soul and everything. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, as, as things would have it, the youth pastor caught my eye. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> and evidently I caught his eye. <laughs> and so then we started dating and all that. And he was, he was like my mentor because uh, as, it, as it, here it was, 1984, well, I found out, oh, yeah, I received the Holy Spirit in 1979. And so he had been speaking in tongues since 1979. So <laughs> he was an expert in everything. <laughs> so, you know, so we, our, our life in God kind of, and our relationship kind of started that way of conversing about all of that. But at a certain point he said, hey, there's this pastor that's coming from um, Dallas and uh, he teaches on prayer and he has all these people coming. It was a large church, but he had hundreds of people coming to pray in the mornings. And they pray for an hour. I said, really? I said, what do they, what do they say for an hour? <laughs> you know, I mean, because all at, at that point it was, you know, Lord, help me. I've got this test today. And, you know, ah, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. But <laughs> that didn't always work with some of <laughs> as I progressed through some of my hard math courses. But anyway, so, so the, I found that very intriguing. That was intriguing to me, that someone could pray for an hour. And this is, this is pre-IHOP, Rachel, where I don't know, you understand. <laughs> I mean, an hour back then. And I, anyway, so that was very, very intriguing. So, I, so he said, yeah, you know, it, it's, um, I think... Th- I mean, I've heard it's like the Lord's Prayer, you know, so we were both very intrigued because we're like, okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What in the world? And so, yeah, so uh, the pastor was from Rockwall. His name was Larry Lee, and, and the Lord had given him this prayer outline, and I'm telling you, it was incredibly helpful. And it basically answered or addressed uh, one of the main problems that we have in prayer, and that is vocabulary, because we need language for prayer. And we don't really like all our language. You know, we want, we want some stuff that we think the Lord wants us to pray. You know, we want some good stuff. And, uh, it, and we want to, the, other, the other thing that it addressed um, is the issue of confidence, in prayer, 
So it, it, issue, it addressed the vocabulary issue, gave me language, gave me language to, to say, to speak, going through that outline. Um, and it also addressed the issue of confidence. So confidence, meaning that you feel um, uh, like what you're praying is appropriate, that what you're praying is God's will, that, um, you, and that, you know what that confidence is called? It's called faith. That is faith. When you're like, you know, uh, I feel that the Lord, this is his will. I am agreeing with him. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And so basically what he taught was that Jesus uh, was uh, teaching in the form of, uh, or like a rabbi would teach, the Jewish teachers were called rabbis, and they would teach in outline form. So actually the Lord's Prayer, those sentences, if you want to put up that Luke 11 2, those the, the various sentences, six to eight sentences, are actually... Uh, each one of those is like a heading, a topic. And the, the language is developed, for instance, when it says your kingdom come. How many of you have seen, you know, the kingdom of God is here or that word kingdom of God? When you read the New Testament, it's all throughout the New Testament, the kingdom of God. So there's all these ideas and concepts that are associated with each of these phrases. So when you're praying those uh, as you work through the different headings, there's, there's so much that's rich that is there that's from the scripture and those ideas that you can develop in your, in your mind. And so what this pastor had done was basically fill in the outline. The, you know, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. He, he went into this, all this language, all this beautiful ideas that we would all pray about the names of God. And so we, we did that. And then your kingdom come. And he had this revelation about the kingdom. So we, we prayed kind of along those lines. And so in that way, if you think, you know, there's basically about six topics in the Lord's Prayer. Each of those about 10 minutes. 10 times six. So there, there you go. There, there's your hour. Um, but really, you know, it was just... I say this, there was such energy on it because, you know, the Holy Spirit, like I said, had, uh, was moving and the, there was faith in people's hearts to pray. And, um, and you, know, you, you know, Glenn said, the Lord is here. The Lord's done so much for us. Let's be thankful for what he's done and believe him for more. But the Lord can energize these, uh, these concepts in our mind. And, um, and then it's, the, the cool thing about it, too, is over the years, that's been a, such a long time, but now when I pray, um, I have different filler than that pastor did. Um, the, that kingdom come, that will be done. There's so many different things now that, that have evolved in my life because of the Bill Johnson and, and, and a lot of the things that I've learned about the kingdom that allow me then to, and I have more scriptures that I think of and recite when I'm going through that. And uh, so the, it's, it's nice because really uh, there's freedom and flexibility within those headings and those topics to fill them in um, as, as you have, um, you know, what, what is meaningful to you about those ideas and concepts. Amen? All right. So 
uh, I want to, it, it, apparently, I'm not going to get through the two because I want to honor our time. And in two weeks, we, uh, Glenn's due back to speak, so I'm going to just take his time, I think. So we, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't. Okay, so, <clears throat> but anyway, I would, I would like to bring out a couple of ideas and then we'll be, we'll be finished. So um, bring back up the, this time if that Luke 11, um, the, the first verse, the first verse. All right. So it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So, they had actually, and in, let's see, in verse, did it, did it talk about, yes, as he was, the disciples were actually watching Jesus pray. And I think that they were rather intrigued about his ability to pray. And the fact that, that uh, he was so effective in ministry. Obviously, the Father God was answering his prayers. And so they saw that. And they said, hey, can you teach us to pray? And isn't, that's a great question, you know, or a, a great request of God. Teach me to pray. And so he actually speaks in here and says, okay, I will. I'll, I'll teach you to pray. And, um, and then he goes through and he, and he, and he gives, the, gives them these great ideas to pray through. And... Um, as you progress through the prayer, three of them are really about our needs, in a sense, and then to some degree, they overlap, but the first three are more about, uh, you know, God's name being honored and, 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 in a sense, God's priorities. And then, as, as we move through those, then we get to our priorities, and, and it's just a beautiful progression. Um, and uh, I just want you to think about, as we um, consider the Lord's Prayer, uh, just that um, if Jesus answered a, this question that the disciples posed to him, and he answered with these big ideas, these themes, um, how confident can we be as, when we're praying them? We can be incredibly confident. I mean, the enemy's so good at saying, oh, well, I don't, are you sure you're praying the right thing? And does God want to do this? And blah, 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 blah. I mean, I've been in the middle of, like, praying a scripture and thinking, is this the will of God? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, he's really good sometimes at kind of confusing us. And so, but I always think, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, Jesus told me to pray this. Okay, I'm good. You know, I, it's, we're on solid ground. And uh, the other thing that I like, but I go ahead and uh, advance to 11.2, yeah. that, <clears throat> that he has given us these beautiful topics like our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the way he started it, was very surprising, uh, or could be thought of as extremely surprising, the way he started to tell them to pray. 
because they were Jews in the first century. And, you know, most of them did not address God as father. Just know that. They did not address him as father. Um, they might have said, oh, king of the universe, creator of all things. But Jesus starts off and he says, say, Father. And so I just want to leave you with that idea uh, as you approach your week that Jesus says, say, Father, when you begin to pray. And when you, th- when you say, Father, Father, it changes the atmosphere Because although he is creator of the universe, although he is Lord, he's father. And a father protects, and he cares, and he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows all things. He cares for us. He, he has our best in mind. Every good father has the interest of the child as first. And that's a father in the natural, a good father in the natural. You know, a, you know, a father, a human being. This is, we're talking about God. Amen. So, yeah. So, you know what? The good news is we didn't get very far, but we have a lab Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if you want to come. Um, where we actually pray through it, but we will um, teach on each one of these little topics and, and give our little filler, and, and you can see how that would happen in practical prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Rachel, if you could come up. I'm not going to... <clears throat> belabor our corporate time together um, as far as keeping you longer uh, unless you want to stay. Uh, If you could stand up, if you would. I have a few words of knowledge today that I want to uh, give and release. And I do sense, though, right now, just the way that I would call you to respond I sense there's a grace here. I, uh, yesterday in prayer, I, I found myself praying, Lord, would you spread your bl- blanket of love over your lovesick ones? And that was specifically for today. And I feel like that love is the love of a father. And I want to invite you to come forward as an act of faith to come to the altar for, for your coming to the father today. You say, I need the father today. And I'd like to invite you to do that. And I'm going to give these words, and you just stay as long as you'd like. If you need to to be on your way, I'll have a prayer of dismissal in about one minute. But I just felt that cry of when Suzanne was telling the testimony of, God, I really want to know you're real. And uh, the Lord was gracious to her that night when John Wimber spoke. And she felt through her body the presence of the Lord. So 
I had these words, and if anyone else has any words, just kind of wave your hand or come on up if you'd like to give them. And as you're as I'm doing this, just feel free to come forward and say, I'm just coming. I just want to come before the Father right now and just say, say, Father, you're Lord, but you're my Father. Because there's a blanket of his presence that I believe he wants to release. He knows exactly what you need. And so bring your needs to him. I have these words, eye strain, someone with eye strain. Someone with floaters in the eyes. IBS. Stomach situations. Back spasms. Muscles in the back that catch. Ribs, just overall, just pain in the ribs. Nose, in the area of the nose, I sensed people with difficulty smelling. And then a deviated septum. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to release healing. Also, though, a word about cystic fibrosis. It might be um, kind of a, not an acute case, but a lower level cystic fibrosis, some symptoms of that ramifications so encourage you to be to be in faith today reaching out because you're reaching out to a father